Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let me again welcome you to Faith Christian. So glad that you are here with us today. And again, thanks for tuning in online, making this a part of your weekend. Uh, glad we get to spend this time together. Glad we got that extra hour of sleep uh, last night. I don't know about you. I love the extra hour of sleep. Now, I hate it that when we drive away from here in a few minutes, it's going to be dark already, but we'll deal with that as we need to. Uh, speaking of time change, don't forget, next week is when we change our service times. And so we begin a 10 o'clock service, uh, one service only, beginning next Sunday morning. And we especially hope you'll be here next week uh, because we will be uh, kind of concluding our celebration of our 25th anniversary here at Faith Christian. We've been celebrating since the spring with a lot of events, a lot of uh, special things have been happening. And we want to be sure that you are here uh, next week as we kind of wrap up that celebration, tell some more stories, show some more pictures, and uh, share some food together. So come early next week. Uh, there'll be coffee and donuts before the service. We want you to be here. Oh, come anytime after nine. It'll be ready for you then. And we'll just enjoy being around one another, uh, visiting, uh, telling stories, reminiscing about some of those early days. And we hope that you'll be here for that. Stay for the 10 o'clock service and then plan to stick around afterwards because we have a catered uh, lunch coming uh, next week as well. And we will be worshiping in here around tables. Uh, it's a family service. The kids and families will be able to sit together. So we'll be in here uh, we, you may get to sit at a table with somebody you don't know yet, but you'll get to break bread with them and share the service together, share a meal together after the service. We've got a, just a great day planned uh, for next week as we conclude that uh, celebration of this 25th anniversary, and we want you to be sure that you're here. So go ahead. As a matter of fact, you may have received one of these little crayons. This crayon's kind of been our theme. Uh, we'll tell this crayon story again next week if we need to, uh, but this kind of been our theme. Just as a reminder, take that home, and don't forget to be here uh, next week for the 10 o'clock service. Um, come early for donuts and stuff. Also, I need to mention to you a couple, just a couple special announcements. I uh, want to let you know that if you serve on our worship team, our musicians team up here, our praise team, or if you are even that much interested in maybe like I once upon a time knew where a ukulele was in my house. That's cool. We would love to uh, spend some time with you. And Josie's going to have a pizza party uh, on uh, November the 30th. That's a Wednesday night at 530 for all current praise team members and all anybody who's interested in maybe joining the praise team. Just not a not an audition. It's not a uh, it's not a weird time. Just come together, eat some pizza, tell some stories, talk about each other. She's got some information about the praise team she wants to share with us where uh, her vision for where we're going uh, as we lead our congregation in worship. So we want you to be here for that. If you're on the praise team or if you're interested in being on the praise team, again that's Wednesday night, November 30th at 5:30. And before that, even this is where our kids, uh, our Faith Kids group, uh, has a special movie night planned uh, coming up on November the 19th. Saturday is a Saturday night. Uh, the movie is, is kind of theming along with what they're doing down the theme for the, this um, month downstairs in Faith Kids on Sunday mornings. But if you've got a kid in Faith Kids, we'd love for them to be here and join us for the movie night on Saturday night, November 19th. Drop them off at 4.30. Here's the deal, parents. I'm, I'm helping you out. Moms, dads, I'm helping you out. Drop your kid off at 4.30. You don't have to come back to pick them up until, I don't know, whenever you want to. That's date night, right? That's date night. So moms, dads, drop your kids off, get out of here, go enjoy a nice dinner, enjoy, enjoy some time together, moms and dads. That's kind of what that's for. So that kids' movie night is happening on Saturday, November the 19th. And so you'll, if you're a parent of one of those kids, you want to be sure we, you, you know about that. 
Well, we are wrapping up uh, this week and next week this uh, raw, Rugged and Raw series that we've been in in our teaching time uh, this fall, where we've been looking at the, the beginning of the church, not only this church, but the beginning of the church as recorded for us in the New Testament book of Acts. And the last several weeks specifically, we have... Um, We've been looking at the stories of some people in the book of Acts, some of these characters from the book of Acts, uh, because we, we've learned throughout the series that people is what makes the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. We meet in a building. We participate in a service. But the church is the people of God, the people of Jesus, meeting together, moving together, being the hands and feet of Jesus in their community together. And that takes people. So we've been looking at some stories of people. Next week, I hope you'll be here for the 25th anniversary celebration. Next week, we're going to tell a few, a few, we can't tell them all, a few of the stories the people who made this place so important and so special and makes it what it is today Ma made it what it is today and we want to be sure you're here for that story uh, for to hear those stories next week uh, but this morning we can't we can't tell the story of the beginning of the church the book of as we read about in the book of acts as we read about the church in the new testament we can't tell that story without talking about this guy named paul and that's who we're going to talk about today. Uh, if you remember, several weeks ago, we, we talked about this, actually several weeks. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, before Jesus ascends into heaven, Jesus kind of gives the mission. He says, here's what the church is going to do. And it's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We've read this verse uh, probably seven times in this series. But let me remind you what Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. Let me remind you what Jesus said before he left. As he's leaving the Holy Spirit, as he's leaving the church his movement, the Jesus people, to be his hands and feet. He says to us, he says to them, he says to us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's God living in us. And you will be my, here's the mission, here's the charge, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as you read through the entire book of Acts, actually as you read through the New Testament, it happens. What Jesus said would happen, happens. The followers of God, the Jesus people, the Jesus movement, the church, they start impacting, witnessing, changing the community in Jerusalem. That's where they started. That's the city they were in when this whole thing kicked off. In Judea, in Samaria. But there's one more on there, right? Something happened. The church grew to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. It'd be like city, county, state, or city, state, country almost, region. Something happened, and it just kind of stopped. It just stopped. We didn't quite get to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was great. The church was doing great things. Judea, super. Samaria, they've got it. They're moving on in Samaria. It's great. But then it just kind of stops, and they stop with people who were just like them. They only took the message of Jesus to just the people who looked just like them and talked like them and thought like them. They forgot the ends of the earth part of that statement. So God looks down and says, they've stopped. The movement has stopped moving. The, the, the Jesus movement has stopped moving. We've got we to get this going again. We've got to jumpstart this thing. We've got to get a guy. And so into this great story, we meet Paul. Paul has a mission. They took... Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, Paul says, you guys got that? I'll take the rest of it. I'll go to the ends of the earth. And Paul is willing and ready to go. And when Paul gets going, he is a man on a mission. Nothing is going to stop him. Nothing is going to slow him down. You try to kill him, oh, he just gets excited about getting to go to heaven. You try to put him in prison, he converts all the guards and all the other prisoners in the jail cell. You torture him, 
<laughs> he just starts talking about how great heaven's going to be. You leave him alone, try to ignore him, he just keeps preaching and preaching and converts the whole city. What are you going to do with this guy named Paul? You need to know, you probably already do, but let me remind you. Paul is one of the most prolific writers in our Bible. He wrote at least 13 books in your New Testament. We're not sure about Hebrews. We're not quite sure. Maybe he wrote it, maybe he didn't. He wrote 13 books, at least 13. He traveled, think about this, he traveled with this message of Jesus, being on mission, he traveled about 18,000 miles in his lifetime to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. I know you walk a lot on your treadmill, around the block to get a little exercise. Paul walked about 10,000 of those 18,000 miles. His ministry takes place in the known world of his day. Think about an area, a, a, a region, about the space. So start here in New Philadelphia and go west all the way to Denver and then go south all the way to Miami. That's about the size of the region that Paul travels. He's all over the place. 36 port cities, 12 different Roman provinces. What's he doing there? He's planting churches. He's the witness of Jesus to the ends of the earth. By the way, if you, as you sit here this morning, as you tune into this broadcast today, if you are not a Jew by birth, if you are not Jewish by birth, the reason that you and I can be a part of the family of God is that God tapped Paul on the shoulder and said, I've got some people I need you to reach. And so it's a big deal for those who aren't Jewish that Paul took the message of Jesus to the Gentiles, like you and me, to the ends of the earth. And while Paul's story is important to us, and Paul's story is worthy of celebrating, Paul did not start out that way. He did not start out a hero. He, uh, a hero. He actually started out very much against the church and against the people of God. You see, Paul was this was kind of top shelf leader in the Jewish uh, synagogue. He was he was a Jewish in the in the Jewish community. He was a, a high ranking leader. He was the best of the best. He was a young leader when we first meet him. He is he is rising the ranks, if you will. He is a he's a politician almost. He's he's rising. He's the number one draft pick. You with me? That's who Paul was. From the age of 6 to 13, Paul went to this rabbinical school, and he was taught every day from age of 6 to 13, he was taught the Old Testament day after day after day. So he knew the Hebrew scriptures. At age 13, this is terrifying to me. At age 13, they say to this 13-year-old, 13-year-old, congratulations, you're a man. Can you imagine what your 13-year-old would have said? <laughs> congratulations, you're a man. What do you want to do now, Paul, now that you're a man? Because, you know, 13-year-olds have such a great handle on life and life goals, right? Paul says, I want to be a rabbi, a teacher, a leader in the, in the Jewish religion. Great. So they put this young man, this number one draft pick, they put him in a one-on-one -on -one mentorship with this famous rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. And Paul was a quick study. He's a fast learner. He's on the fast track. He is the number one prospect. One little problem. Paul knew a lot about God, but he didn't know God. He missed the plan that God had for his life. He had religion, but he didn't have a relationship with the God who created him and the God who loved him. 
I don't know your story. I don't, I don't know what all you carry around with you baggage-wise every day, religious baggage, emotional baggage. I, I don't know what you carry around with you all day. I don't know what you've been through. But I do know from my own life that there have been times that I've known about God. I've learned a lot of stuff about God. I know a lot of Bible verses. I know a lot of philosophy. I can make a great argument about something, but at the same time, my heart has been far from God. And that's Paul, a religious person without a relationship with God. And Paul takes his religion, and he takes his passion he takes his intelligence he, he takes his his type a personality takes his drive and he uses all of his resources to try to put a stop to this new movement of jesus followers that's called the church paul wasn't trying to win arguments against christians paul was trying to snuff christianity out and so paul put christians in prison paul okayed the killing of Christians. He wanted to put this little movement, this little Jesus movement out of business. The funny thing was that as Paul was going around hunting Christians, God was hunting Paul. Listen to what happens. This is Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, same guy, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and requested letters addressed to synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's the church, that's this Jesus movement. Any followers of the way that he found there in Damascus. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So Paul is having this, has this experience on this road. It's like God saying to him, Paul, I am more real than you can imagine, and you were on the wrong road. You are barking up the wrong tree, but Paul, I've got plans for you. I need to rescue you. I need to get you on the right road because I have a mission for you, Paul, verse 6. Now get up, Jesus says to Paul. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Paul is literally in this moment blinded by this light, but he is seeing more clearly than he has for a very long time. And Paul's life in this moment Paul's life is radically transformed by Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I love about Paul's story, and I think we can learn from Paul's story, is that Paul never forgets who he used to be. As we read the rest of Paul's story in the Acts, and we read the letters that Paul writes in, to the churches in the New Testament, he never forgets who he used to be, who he was, the violent man that he was the hater of the church that he was, the hater of Christians that he was. And this moment of him being rescued on the road he was walking down changes the course of his life. Because Paul knew, as he takes the message of Jesus, the message of grace to the world, Paul remembered 
his own past, so he knew that everybody, everybody has a past. You know, it's good to be able to walk into church and know, walk into a building like this, walk among people like we are today. It's good to walk into church and go, yeah, I've got my stuff. Because we all have stuff. We all have a past. Oh, you may be a little more cleaned up than somebody on the other side of the room, or maybe you can hide it better than somebody else does, but we all have a past. Paul knew that about himself, and, and he never forgot it. The, the great author, Oscar Wilde, says this, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. So you got this... Number one draft pick guy, Paul. He's blinded by the light. He gets sent on this mission from God. God handpicks Paul to continue the mission. Um, over, over uh, down to verse 15, uh, uh, Paul, uh, God says about Paul, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name to the Gentiles and to kings before the people of Israel. God is, has handpicked this guy, Paul. He's handpicked him to reach and fulfill his mission. And Paul's like, okay, let's do it. Let's do this thing. I love this story because where everybody else in the church, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, they're like, give me the safe stuff. Give me the stuff that's not out of my comfort zone. Give me the stuff with people that look like me and think like me and act like me and vote like me. Give me that. Don't give me the hard stuff. Don't give me the scary stuff. Paul's like, y'all want the safe stuff? Take the safe stuff. I'll take it. I'll take the world. No one else is going to go with you, Paul. That's okay. I got this. But Paul, it's dangerous out there. I don't care. Let's go. And he goes after it. He chases after it with his life, traveling on all these missionary journeys, planting churches in important cities all around the Roman Empire. We talked about a couple of those last week. And then Paul spends, get this, because of what he's doing, he ends up spending five to six years of his life in prison. And while he's in prison, you know what he does? He can't, can't travel, so he starts writing letters. He's writing letters to these churches that he's established in these major cities all around the Roman Empire. By the way, those letters make up most of our New Testament, those letters. But while what Paul did is not just something that we cheer about and go, way, Paul, it's a great history lesson about the church. But you're not here for a history lesson, are you? So let me move to this. Paul's mission is our mission. Paul's mission is our mission. It's still going on. We say it like this around here, helping people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. I heard someone say it like this. It's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. God wants to reconnect with people. God wants to help people find and follow him. That mission existed long before the church existed. That's why Jesus came. The mission has a church. Now, this isn't just a new idea that we came up with here at Faith Christian Church. It's just that it's, well, it's our turn. Paul took his turn, but now it's our turn. So Paul's mission is our mission. It's our turn to be on mission, like Paul was, to help people find and follow Jesus, even if it's a little scary, even if it's a little out of our comfort zone, even if it's to the ends of the earth, even if it's to Tuscarawas County. Because it's our turn, church. It's our turn to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community. It's our turn to be a part of God's rescue mission in the world. I know the pushback that I'm getting from you, what you're thinking as you hear this. I know the excuses 
that are popping up in your head already. Well, I'm not qualified. I, I didn't go to Bible school like you did, Larry. I, I, I'm not prepared. I'm not capable. No, no, listen to me. It's your turn. It's your turn to be on mission. I know you don't think you know enough. I know you don't know where to go. I know you don't even exactly know how to do that or when to do that. I know it may be scary. I know it might even be dangerous. I know that there is so much that is unknown. I know that if you do it, it may reorient your home and your lifestyle if you actually lived on mission. I know it will radically change your priorities, what's most important to you. I know that it might lead you to some tough conversations about your life. I know it might challenge your character if you're going to be a, a person who lives on mission. Listen, I'm not saying you need to have all the answers. I am saying if it's, if it's our turn, if it's our turn to be on mission, it's time we started asking God, God, how do you want me to live on mission with my one and only life. I don't have it all figured out, but, but God, what do you want me to do? And can I just tell you, pray in that prayer. Pray in that prayer of God, how do you want me to live on mission? How do you want me to live my one and only life? Can I tell you that praying that prayer is kind of like riding a roller coaster? You, you know, there's two ways to ride a roller coaster, right? One is the way that I like to ride roller coasters, and that's when you get on the roller coaster and your hands go up and you're screaming and woo! You're that, that, you're that person riding the roller coaster. That's, that's, that's the way I like to ride roller coasters. That's not how everybody else rides roller coasters. So you know how some people ride roller coasters? They sit down, they hold on, and they... But what are they doing? They're riding the roller coaster. There's no right way to ride the roller coaster, is there? God, you, you, you've rescued me on the road that I was on. God, you transformed my life. You set me in a new way, and it's like you're going to the top of the roller coaster. You, you, you've done this to me, God. You, we're, we're going to the top. We're, we're going to follow you, God. I want you to change my life, God. I want you to use me to be on mission, God. What are we, what's it going to look like when you get to the top? There's two ways to write. Hold on tight or let it loose and fly, all right? Do it either way. There's no right way to do it. Both work, but you've got to get on the ride. You've got to get on the ride. And you got to let what is supposed to be happening take you on the adventure that it's meant to take you on. That's what I want in my life. I don't want a boring life that's just like trying to stay safe and comfortable and soft and cushy. I don't want that. That's what I want your life to be like too. I want your life to be the adventure. I want the life of this church for our next 25 years to be a life that we are on an adventure together as we are on mission together, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community, in this world, making a difference. And sometimes it's going to be scary like this, and sometimes it's going to be, we can't believe this is happening, and we're woo, as we ride the roller coaster, but we've got to get on the ride. We've got to be on the adventure that we're supposed to be on. God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, how do you want me to live my one and only life? God, who are you calling me to be? God, how can I live on mission? Because it's our mission, helping people find and follow God. But what happens is, <laughs> well, we get scared. It gets so scary. We hold on to the comfort. We hold on to the safety. We, we stay in the station and watch the train go with somebody else riding in. 
We hold on to security. We hold on to safety. Max Lucado wrote this. He says, when fear shapes our lives, safety becomes our God. And when safety becomes our God, what we worship is actually the risk-free life. Can the safety lover do anything great? Can the risk-adverse accomplish noble deeds for God or for others? No. The worship of safety emasculates greatness. No wonder Jesus wages such a war against fear. Do you want your life to count? You only got one. Do you want it to count? Do you want stuff to live on long after you've gone? I think to live on mission, to continue to live on mission, there are two questions we have to ask ourselves. Maybe we need to ask ourselves this every morning. The two questions are this. Who are my people and where is my place? Who are my people? God, who are the people that you are calling me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to? And where is my place? Where are they? Here's the deal. This is, this is easier than it sounds. Most of us are already there. God has already placed us among our people and put us in our place. We just miss it. We just miss it. Because we don't take advantage of the opportunities that God puts in front of you. In your neighborhood. On your dorm floor in the band room, in the break room. Those are your people. That is your place. In your class, at your job. Is it, is it possible, just think about this, is it possible that God has placed you in your job, not so that you can make a great comfortable income, but that so you can be on mission, impacting the people around you as the hands and feet of Jesus? that those are your people and this is your place. Is, it, is that even possible that God would do that? Your family, your people, your place. Your neighborhood, your people, your place. Your kids, your subdivision, your department, your company, your organization, just go on and on and on. Who are your people and where is your place? And how would your perspective change? Or how would your investments change? Or how would your energy change? Or how would your engagement change if we all thought that we'd actually been placed by God, put in those places, in those positions, around those people to be on mission for him, to help people find and follow God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Here's what I think. I think it would change everything. I think it would change everything. And I think it would be an adventure you will never regret living. We are part of a much bigger story. It's just our turn. Well, seven or eight years ago, I put this little timeline together um, and shared it with you. I've shared it a couple times. Let me share this again because I think this is important for us as we realize that Paul's mission is our mission. Let me show you how we can connect these dots through history. Just real quick and I'm, then I'll be done. 
So this stuff happens with Paul around, that we read about, around 35 AD. Fast forward to 42 AD, so it's still in the same lifetime. 42 AD, Mark, John Mark, takes the gospel to Egypt. So now we're getting into a bigger area, not just in the Mediterranean, not just in the Roman Empire, now we're getting bigger. So 42 AD, Mark goes to Egypt. 49, year 49, Paul goes to Turkey. In 51, Paul goes to Greece. <clears throat> in the year 52 AD, Thomas arrives in India. In the year 53, Paul goes on his third missionary journey, planting these churches. In the year 174, so just about 125 years after the third missionary journey, in, in AD 174, the first Christians are reported in Australia. That's a, there, there weren't planes then, right? That's, there's no, no internet. That's, this is the message of Jesus going. In the year 280, the first rural churches are reported in northern Italy, and for the first time, the church isn't just city-specific. It's rural as well. In the year 350 AD, 31.7 million people, or 53% of the Roman Empire, claims Jesus as Lord. In the year 432 AD, Patrick heads to Ireland, which, of course, we now celebrate each March, each March by getting smashed and pinching each other while we wear green. In the year 596, Gregory the Great sends Augustine and a team of missionaries to England to reintroduce the gospel. Two years later, so in 598, two years later, 10,000 new Christians are found in England. In the year 635, the first Christian missionaries arrive in China. In the year 740, Irish monks reach Iceland. In the year 900, missionaries go to Norway. In the year 1200, 1200 AD, the Bible is now available in 22 different languages. In 1498 AD, another 200 and almost 300 years later, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In the year 1501, Pope Alexander XI grants the crown of Spain all of the new land of the Americas, provided that they provide religious instruction for the natives. A handful of years later, a couple decades later, 1537, Pope Paul III orders that the Indians of the New World be brought to Christ by the preaching of the word and the example of a Christian life. In the year uh, 1554, 1,500 converts to Christianity are found in Thailand. In the year 1671, Quaker missionaries arrive in the Carolinas. In the 1720s and 1730s, the Great Awakening happens with Jonathan, excuse me, Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield taking the gospel to as much as 80% of the colonists. In 1798, 1798, the Missionary Society of Connecticut is ordered by the Congregationalist to take the gospel to the heathen lands of Vermont and Ohio. <laughs> The heathen land of Ohio, 1798. Its missionaries are evangelized by both European settlers and Native Americans. In the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon and D.L. Moody lead the Second Great Awakening. In the early 1900s, C.S. Lewis and Billy Graham changed the face of Christianity in America. In the late 1900s, about 25 years ago to be exact, a group of Christ followers form a new community of faith in Tuscarawas County, Ohio. And in November of 2009, that group of people opened the doors to their new facility on Pleasant Valley Road. And on November 6th, 2022, well, that's today, you walked through the doors of that facility. But more importantly, 
You'll walk out those doors in just a few moments, and you will have the opportunity to be the church in Tuscarawas County. Because those are your people. And this is your place. And those are my people. And this is my place. And we are part of a bigger story. It's just our turn. It's just our turn. Let me pray for you. Our community team will take their places. God, we thank you for this mission. We thank you for this purpose for our lives. We thank you that we get to be a part, that our story gets to get intertwined, woven into your story, the story of redeeming all people, of bringing men and women and children and students back to a relationship with you. And God, we thank you that we, as a church that meets on Pleasant Valley Road, that we get to be a part of your story. So remind us who our people are, where our place is, Put us on mission. Have us hold on tight or let our arms fly up, but let us get on the ride. Let us get on the adventure with the life that you have planned and in store for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the one whose story we share. Amen.